0: I live in an apartment and I eventually want a house. I can love my apartment right now and still want a house. It's the same way I feel about my job. I love my job right now. I love my clientele. I love what I'm doing. I can eventually want to come out with my own product line and have a wellness center and retreats. That's okay. It doesn't mean I hate my job right now. Yes. And that's how I want people to feel about their body. It's like, I need you to find a way to love your body, even with your goals, without feeling bad about having your
1: goals. You're listening to the Almost 30 podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsick. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So
2: we expanded our mission.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go.
2: Welcome back to Almost 30 Podcast. Hello. It's your friends, Lindsay and Krista. We're so glad you're here. So glad you're here. How's it going?
1: I hope hope all is well. Hope
2: all is well. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that'll change over the years, what we say.
1: Hope all is well. I was thinking about... Hope you're kicking it. Hope you're you're just thriving. (laughs) The other day, I was thinking about how saying something sucks or like someone sucked or like this sucks has like literally stood the test of time. And people use it at work. It's like people use it very nonchalantly for what it means. I was not allowed to say it when I was little. Really? You're younger. Yeah. I could imagine. My mom was like, no. People (laughs) say it at work. They say it on business calls. It's like people say stuff sucks all the time. (laughs) And it's really, really fascinating because it's very inappropriate. I'd love to see a CEO go, this blows. Exactly. (laughs) No, people say this blows too. I've seen that at work. They're like, yeah, this blows. This
2: sucks. Which is like terribly. It's like vulgar. What would you say that's like a bit more PC or professional? This if to
1: this sucks. If something z- sucks or if something z- blows, it would be this is like unsuccessful, a tragedy, or a tragedy. <laughs> this is a total tragedy. Also, the word cool has totally stood the test of time. Yes, cool is cool. Was cool. Cool's been cool for since the seventies.
2: What were some words that you used like as a teenager? Nifty. Or, Do you remember nifty? Never used it. Oh, really? Have you ever heard? Of that? <laughs> yes, of course. Oh hell yeah! That's nifty. I always felt like that was. That was literally like from
1: the 50s. Yeah. People are like, that's nifty, man. Nifty had a, had a moment. Rad is coming. Rad came back. Rad. Dope. I mean, right now it's like Liddy Bay fam. Oh, shit. Like the Liddy Bay fam. We kind of missed it, you know? Yeah. We definitely missed all of the terminologies <laughs> and phrases. Liddy Bay. Liddy Bay. I mean, there's so much. It's like, it's like basically people speak in memes. It's like there's so many memes that happen as far as,
2: I mean, Justin all day. Crap is was a in good memes. one. Crap is. Crap. I I stood a test of time. <laughs> no, I don't think it, ha- like, I almost think it's died a little bit, but it yeah, was so true. hot. Yeah.
1: Lit, lit we had a moment. Yeah. And then parents were saying lit and it was over.
2: <laughs> They're like,
1: that's lit. And then it's like, Or it's like, oh my God, also swag. <laughs> oh,
2: swag. Yeah. Swag is mm-hmm. played out. Mm hmm. If you're like, that person has swag, you're like, oh, wow. Or people you say, have a PC oh, computer. Like, oh, almost as a confirmation, like, oh, swag. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. Send me, send us your words. Yeah. Send we'll us, try them out on the pod. Yeah. I used to be on top of that, but now I'm not anymore. But welcome back. If you're new, my name is Krista Williams and I am Lindsay Simsick. And we are best friends and have created almost 30. We created it during a time when we were going through our transition from our 20s to our 30s, but it's become so much more than that. And we realized once we were having this. Conversation with all of you out there that we weren't alone. So we just hope to be supportive and learn right along with you. It's been really healing for us as well as the community. Yeah.
1: And it's so awesome. This episode today with our dear friend Kelly Levesque is amazing. I was, I felt so, so good having her come in. And then during her whole conversation, I felt good for the rest of the day. Yeah. She just inspires me and she is so fun to be around. She's, even better in person than you can ever imagine online. She's a wealth of knowledge. She's so honest. She's so humble. She's so hardworking. And is just very, very kind and good to the people that she knows and loves. And we're really grateful to be you know, part of her community and support her. So this conversation goes really deep. I loved how much we talked about her new baby, Bash, and her entire birthing process. It was really challenging for her. And she definitely had things that her and her family had to overcome when Bash was first born. And through her pregnancy and delivery are actually more so through her delivery mm-hmm. and it's been really beautiful to see her overcome that and really just integrate some of that pain and trauma into her life and just become a more like well-rounded person.
2: Yeah, it's it's you know, we even said to her like she just feels different mm-hmm. and of course, you know, she's gone through so much in the last year, not only giving birth to Bash but also, you know, at the same time writing and putting out a book and and while there's so many things to celebrate, it's it's also like a a really hard balance sometimes, you know, when you have real life things happening. So she's just she has so much grace and was so honest with us. So I'm I'm really excited for you all to to hear this interview. Her new uh, book is called Body Love Every Day. So this is, you know, really she's a holistic nutritionist, but this book covers holistically like your whole life. So it's not just the nutrition, although. That part of the book is incredible. But we're talking about, you know, that that busy girl on the go, or say someone who needs to be ready for lights, camera, action all the time, or someone who is plant based. Like she's really speaking to a lot of different needs and people out there. What? Someone who needs to be ready for lights, camera. <laughs> the red carpet ready. red carpet ready it is. Lights, camera, action. But everyone's extra, like, extra at their desk, like, mm. <laughs> what was the, the fourth one? Oh, man, I'm red forgetting. carpet ready domestic goddess
1: plant my base devotee and
2: then um girl on the go, yes.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I dip into a lot of those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we talked a lot about her different book, the different archetypes, how we can fit our lifestyle into those. And we did talk about some nutrition topics that our community has been wanting us to ask her. So we will dig into that as well. And this is maybe one of my
2: favorite interviews we've done with Kelly. So I really hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. A few announcements before we dig into the interview. We have a retreat coming up in Malibu. Oh so man. So in May, mm-hmm. uh, we are are hosting our annual retreat. So last year we had 24 women. It was such a life-changing, healing, restful, inspiring, fun experience for us all. And so we wanted to do it again and better. So we're really excited to welcome 24 women back um, for just a heavenly retreat.
1: Yeah. We have a uh, womb awakening healing that we're going to have with Josie from 11 Healing. We have a cacao ceremony that's going to be very heart-opening, a musical performance, which is so much fun. Natalia Benson, a female empowerment coach and astrologer. She is an icon. We love her. We're going to be talking about abundance and manifestation. We have breath work. We have stretching. We have the beach. We have amazing plant-based foods or gluten-free foods, whatever your fancy is. And it's just going to be everything we love about Almost 30 in one place.
2: Yeah, and lots of time to just connect with one another, have some restful alone time. We really try to make this experience as balanced and nourishing as possible. So for more information, you can go to almost30podcast.com slash retreat and uh, join our secret Facebook group. If you're looking for community as well, we love seeing you in there. And thank you in advance for rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. The ability for your body to have
0: access to B vitamins depends on your gut microbiome. The bacteria in your gut help synthesize and make B vitamins bioavailable in your body. And a lot of people are deficient in B6 and B12, two really important B vitamins for burning glucose or ketones as fuel.
2: Mm.
0: So why would we be deficient?
1: Just not eating enough of it in your diet that's why they have a lot of times like B vitamins are associated with weight loss. Is oh yeah, that
0: think about all because... those like Lindora and like all those like weight loss clinics. Like you're supposed to go get measured and get like a B complex shot in your booty. You know, like they're they're making sure that that's not that you're not deficient in B vitamins because you think about uh, the way that we burn energy um, inside your mitochondria. You're burning glucose or you're burning ketones, and I think about that as the gas um, of the engine, and you need oil. And I always explain that like the oil is like the B vitamins. It's just like helping keeping keeping your mitochondria efficient at burning fuel.
1: Wow. And then so glucose and ketones, like what is
0: their relationship to one another? They're just two different forms of fuel. So if you're not your body is always going to want to burn glucose first. It's the fastest easiest fuel to to use and that's from carbohydrates or from sugar. And then if you have if you don't have any glucose available in your body or you you wouldn't have any, but like if you deplete your glucose, your glycogen stores, which is stored glucose, and you aren't eating any carbohydrates or sugar, then your body will start to burn fat for fuel. And as it's metabolize, it metabolizing fat, it's kicking off ketones, and then your cells can use ketones for energy and your brain can use ketones for energy. So when someone says they're metabolically flexible, um, or they're looking to be metabolically flexible, it means they have the ability to Burn glucose, and then every now and then they dip into ketosis naturally, and they burn fat for fuel, and then they'll go back to burning sugar for fuel or or glucose. So they're just they're just two different. It'd be like if your body could run. I always say like if your body is running is a Prius, the gas is gas operation is glucose, and battery is ketones. So it has less byproducts, and um, it's more efficient to burn fat or ketones for fuel, but it's just actually a little bit harder to get there.
2: Getting into the meat of things right yeah, away. Well, welcome
1: back Kelly to the Levesque. pod. <laughs> I was thinking, you've seen, you were at our first studio oh, that wow. we like rented
2: in quotes. You were at Lindsay's old
1: place and mm-hmm. now you're at the new place.
0: I actually thought we were going to Lindsay's old place. Oh, did you show up there? Oh, no. no, I like oh. double, ch- I was on Barrington or on Federal and I- Oh, because like, you're close. Because yes. I'm right up in Brentwood. So we re- we were so close. So then I had this little moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be late.
1: <laughs> oh God. Literally, of course you walk in and like <laughs> one up the dot. I'm like, I don't think you've ever been late in your life. I <laughs> no, don't. Literally don't. the most respectful professional person in showbiz. I say it all the time. Mm-hmm. I say it <laughs> all the time. It was interesting too at your book party, like everyone just like seeing your praises to the nth was like so sweet. Oh. It was
0: honestly, I anytime I throw a party, I'm like... I hope my friends show up. Same. Oh, it's so scary. It you know, it doesn't matter how like, I mean, if you feel like you're at it and like having an up month or an up year, like you're, everything's kind of going your way. Like it's still super scary to invite people to a party or throw an event and, you know, spend the money to do that. And then just hope like, Ew. Totally, some
1: friends show
2: up.
1: You're like, we got swag bags. <laughs> <laughs> we got sweet swag bags. What do you think? The
2: greatest yeah. swag bags I've ever seen in my life. I, know. I was like, am I? at Where am I? Is was a
1: store. I was really
0: excited it about was that. And we did the magic. Spoon. We did
2: not feel fi- We did not fill the swag bags.
0: We created the Kelly Levesque store, and you got to fill your own William Sonoma tote with any and all of my favorite products. And all of those products actually are products I've either invested in personally or uh, worked with and used and recommended to clients for like over five years. There was no... Nobody knew there.
1: We had Ara here yesterday. Of oh, Seed. awesome. Yes, yeah. She was talking about you and I saw Seed there and we've been working with Seed. So mm-hmm. that was another brand that you've invested in. Yeah. So that was actually the first brand I've ever invested in. Really? And so,
0: yeah, so what's interesting is like I consider myself an accidental influencer. Like I was just looking to have a private nutrition practice and work with clients one on one. And, you know, that was a lot of fun for me. And then when I figured out that, oh, I was an hourly employee and I was only going to make the number of, you know, like however many hours I was willing to work was like how much money I was going to make. And I could calculate that on a calculator really quickly. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to be in this apartment forever i had to figure out a way to reach more people and whether that was like speaking engagements like more people at one time products books other i needed something else you know so that that's what sort of started the book thing and then when the book first book tour happened i i really my my social following multiplied overnight it felt like really um almost overwhelming because i felt so comfortable just writing whatever i wanted in my comments and throwing something up and and then as you grow, then you have like haters and trolls and people being mean to each other in your own comments. And I'm like, I am not here for this. This yeah. is not okay. But it actually slowed my sharing down and made me feel like I needed to question what I was doing and make sure everything was sort of quote unquote perfect, which really isn't my personality. Like I did my Enneagram last night and I'm like, you know, what like... What are you? What are you? I'm a four and a seven, which oh, okay. is like... um. I don't know any. I don't know any. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> I just know I'm, I'm not a that. nine one. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I want to look that up. I'm um, I it's like a about I'm like an achiever, I think, and then um, connector maybe. I can't remember what the Sounds other about what the right. name is, but maybe look it up. Yep. I just did it last night for five seconds and. Was like that makes sense. What am I the opposite, like the skeptic (laughs) and like the glass half empty? I'm like pretty (laughs) much we're exacting and Yang. But but then when the following grew, then all these brands were like, we want you to talk about our product for money. And and that is first of all applauding the bloggers who've like been blogging for so long or been in the business for so long and grow their following enough to like start to work with brands in a very significant way. Like that, it's a real business. Like you can. Your kids through college on that stuff, you know, because it's better for the brands to have authentic voices that people really love and connect with, talking about them, talking about their products, than like just throwing something up on a billboard, right? But for me, being that I'm a nutritionist, I didn't, it it felt like if I connected with one brand that I couldn't flip flop or switch and that I needed to be the best of the best. So once I grew the brand, I, I, decided instead to start becoming an owner in as many businesses I thought that I thought I could be a part of and make an enact change with and help grow and help um either get the word out and or help them be purchased by larger companies so then they'd have the cash flow to like really reach people and brands that I've invested in include brands like Seed so I talked I learned about the science of seed and talked about it in my first book and then Ara came to me with the opportunity to invest and that was really cool because I I just did them a solid by adding them to the book because I really liked the science and I wanted people to know it. That was like my first book, Body Love. And then other brands like Magic Spoon and Now Serenity Foods for Kids, which are basically like Fab Four pouches. Yeah. And, and what I get to do too is really help them and drive where they're uh, expanding their product lines. So... Looking at Serenity, we're, they're going to be doing a bone broth line. So added collagen for these little kids' guts. And it's just like really cool stuff like that. I think I'm going to come out with a flavor of Magic Spoon. I'm
2: trying to work on it. If <gasps> I have for oh, a flavor. Yes, oh, please. So it's Maybe, just What cool. do they use now as... I, I really like Magic Spoon.
0: Yeah. So it's a, it's a whey protein, yeah, actually. That's, a, that's yeah. why. So it's, it's a high protein cereal. So even all of the grain-free cassava, coconut, almond... Uh, they have a glycemic response, and you know whey protein can release insulin for some people based on like how processed it is. If it's super hydrolyzed, I talk about this in Body Love Every Day. Is you have concentrate whey concentrate, which may have some dairy residual and it's some lactose, so it might not work for everyone. And you have whey isolate, which is a little bit more filtered, so people with a lactose allergy can get away with eating it. Um, but then you have hi- uh, hydroxylate, which is like really processed. The problem with that is sometimes it can hit your bloodstream, and your body can be confused and think it's sugar, and then it releases it re- your body releases a bunch of insulin. So, uh, and probably more than it would if you were just to like have a yogurt. So it's interesting because you go to GNC or places like this, and most of their protein is like really highly processed whey. So what's cool is they're using they're using a really high quality source of whey and, you know, grass-fed, pasture-raised, sort of an animal. And then they're using allulose, which is a fiber that tastes sweet. So it's from raisins? Yeah. Yes. Jackfruit, figs, and raisins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, I want you to buy... <laughs> um Yeah. It's a fiber that tastes sweet. You did it. <laughs> Kristen knows more than I do on that front. If it's related to, like, uh, tasty cereal, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> then I've got you.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, it's funny because now I, now it's gonna make me want to write a blog post on on fiber based sweeteners because I'm I'm into them I'm
1: excited by them. What else would be one like um what's that uh what's that like inulin yeah inulin yes which I got from you but there's also a sweet potato one that's like a potato based
2: fiber that's very sweet that I can all think of. That's so fascinating though, and I just I love that. For me, that is like true influence where you actually care about the brands and are able to, you know, further their reach, vision, and product lines. And um, I just I I respect that so much. And and also like, I mean, the books, like I just feel like this is a book, Body Love Every Day and First Body Love. Like this is something that's so accessible for people. Like, and There's something about health and wellness books that can, like, kind of deter certain people from reading them. And I just feel like your elevated sense of, like, this is not just about diet. This is not just about aesthetic. Like, this is about lifestyle is so important. Like, especially as these brands come out, and it's not just about this brand will make you look this way or what have you, which we've heard growing up. I feel like that was yeah. something that we heard a lot. We were talking about special K the other day. You're like, the special K diet. Yeah. yeah.
0: Have you so, guys... So you can syrup. Yeah. Yeah. You can syrup. Good for you. Yeah, that's, that's your post, baby. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah. No. I actually watched an episode of Shrill on a flight home, a Delta flight home. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an interesting sitcom about a journalist who is overweight and she writes an article that says like hello i am fat and in that episode talks about how you know she wants to love her body and she remembers a time when her mom made dinner for her family and offered and was like oh you can have a bowl of special k you know and it's there is such a diet culture of of the youth and it's interesting because my job is to help my clients meet whatever goals that they have and i've been thinking about this a lot because I think diet is a four-letter word, but I also don't think there's a problem with someone wanting to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And what I, I think I've kind of honed in on how I feel about it this way. It's like, I live in an apartment and I eventually want a house. I can love my apartment right now and still want a house. It's the same way I feel about my job. I love my job right now. I love my clientele. I love what I'm doing. I can eventually want to come out with my own product line and have a wellness center and retreats. That's okay. It doesn't mean I hate my job right now. Yes, And that's how I want people to feel about their body. It's like, I need you to find a way to love your body, even with your goals, without feeling bad about having your goals. Because now I'm in a state, I've seen it happen in the last eight years where clients will come to me like, I want my skin to glow. I want more energy. I want to stick to my goals. And I'm like, okay, great. Any Anything else you want to... Anything else, you know... And they're like, "Well, it would be great if I could lose five pounds and it's like, first of all, if that is a goal for you, I don't need you to feel guilt or shame for that either. you know, mm-hmm. and in the same way, it's like you i want I just want people to get in the habit of loving their body through action, like love your body by going in an infrared sauna, love your body by looking in the mirror and being like, "Okay, cool, I look hot. Love your body by moving it, feeding it well." And then know that like sometimes it means like you're gonna have a glass of wine and a brownie, and that's the way you're gonna love your body right now. And that's okay too. But it's it's a really interesting time right now where people, where this whole body love movement is happening and I'm on board for it. But I think we still I still need if if we're all just like love our body no matter what, and no one's actually giving people scientific lifestyle based tools. Then the people who want to lose the five to 10 pounds are going to get on the internet and get on Pinterest and look for like some quick fix diet that they're never going to complete, feel bad about themselves at the end of. And so I kind of am trying to be that voice of reason that's like, hey, you can live in an apartment that you love and eventually want a house or the, you know, whatever your goals are. And here is the financial like plan to get you there. And so, like, in in the body way, I want to be the scientific plan of like, hey, this is how we nourish and fuel your body. This is how you move your body. This is how these are some tools for sleep and intermittent fasting. And if you want to dip into ketosis or you want to start cooking meals for yourself or what would be like a supportive tool to to get you to where you want to go. And and we do it in a non deprivation type of a way in a very nourishing and adding type of a way. And if if we're doing all these things and you're not getting to where you want to go, then we look at the bigger picture. Like, do you have a post... Do you have a trauma you need to work through? Do you have a relationship issue you need to work through? Is it above my pay grade? And do I need to like refer you out to a different type of practitioner? Because there is so something to be said about energetic weight, traumatic weight, and just like working through maybe the pain of the past and not loving your body.
1: And that's something too. Yeah, we were just talking about this yesterday with Mm -hmm. an interview that we had with someone about that exact thing of like the body love movement being something that only anchors itself in loving yourself just the way you are. And it's almost like because we're in such a woman-focused space and we're champion for women that there is a little bit of shame when you do want to change or evolve. Mm -hmm. And I have felt that personally, it's like, I feel like it's a bad thing if I want to change the way that I am. But really, it's like I want to love myself more by doing these things. Just like you said, the actions will lead me to more self-love because these actions are more respectful to the person that I want to be. And it's really that honoring of my future self right now by doing these things.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, is like without attachment, like have your eye on the prize, but Don't have such an attachment to the goal that you can't find happiness in your body and and you're like in this beautiful temple that we walk around in. But at the same token, like in or in the like almost in the same breath, it's like you have to love what you're doing every day to get there for it to really be
2: a lifestyle. And I also think there's something to say for like progress. And as a human being, like progress feels so good to like put in work and then see the results. You're like, oh, I can. I can now start my own business because I did something that was consistent and it proved to be fruitful. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind of like these proxy situations where you're like, oh, I can do that. So maybe I can do that. And so if it has to do with your health and it's a healthy progression, like, cool. So you, know,
0: you just like literally hit the nail on the head so hard. Have you guys interviewed Kelly McGonigal yet?
2: No. No. Okay, I we make, heard her name the other day. I have <sighs> to make that introduction.
0: She is a researcher at Stanford. She wrote the book called Joy of Movement. I just yes, had her on my exactly. podcast. Yes. She's phenomenal, but she looks at the biochemical changes Um, in the body when people work out. And what we know from a muscle contraction is that a muscle contraction happens and your muscles release something called myokines. Myokines are anti inflammatory, antidepressant, anti-anxiety chemicals that cross the, the blood brain barrier into the brain and really change the way you think about yourself. And so what we know is people who work out consistently believe they can change the world more than others. They have more confidence, they have less anxiety, less depression. They connect better with others. Just think about how the ripple effect that you can have in your own life by taking care of yourself and moving your body. And if you think about those reasons for working out and you think, I, I just want to do more for the world and how can I give back and how can I be the best version of myself? And say you work out and your body changes a little bit and you, it's okay. Like it has to be okay for you to like that version of yourself better. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, as long as you have a mentor, a coach, a best friend, a mom, whatever, a spouse telling who thinks that your goals are attainable and not like something that you're constantly going to be disappointed by, or even just breaking those humongous goals up into completely attainable, smart goals is one of the best things you can do. Like, if it's 20 pounds, can it be five? And if it's, first of all, if it's pounds, can we change it to inches? Can we change it over to, you know, dropping a certain body fat percentage, increasing lean muscle mass or something that a gene size, something that isn't as abstract because I've had major body composition changes in clients with a scale not moving at all. Mm-hmm. And we're saying gene, chi- gene sizes change and just complete body overall body composition change. And so obviously it's the easy... It's like freaking calories. It's like, oh, calories in the scale. Like... They're so abstract and they're not really telling you how you're going to feel and how what, what you're really going to look like.
1: With goals, you should have smaller goals and not bigger goals. Oh, yeah. Big mm-hmm. goals. So it's like having small goals is something that you can't put off. You won't be overwhelmed by and it won't be used as a tactic to just procrastinate, etc. Yeah. But if someone was interested to actually measure their body fat percentage and their body fat what would you suggest or how should someone go about doing that? Yeah. if they want to focus on compositional changes over scale.
0: Yeah. So um there are a number of different uh, weight loss and gym ty- there're gyms and weight loss clinics that can um get your body fat percentage um with a specific type of scale where you're you're holding on to handles and it's it's um getting it's I'm like Blanking on the technology, but it's, it's like an electromagnetic. Current, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it's like electromagnetic. And then there are also uh, ways to do it in a pool. So there are like dunk tanks, which are looking at body fat percentage as well. I would say that that is also a great way to not end up on your scale all the time. You know, where you're just like, okay, I'm going to do this for maybe your goal is six weeks. If that's if that keeps you more motivated than three months, but look at it over over at least a month period of time to see those changes, commit to a plan to get there. And those little goals are perfect. I think about, like I say it over and over and over again, I'm like a broken record, but I'm like, these the bricks that you build your found the foundation of your like healthy house on, it's like those are the little habits that you do all the time. And if it's, you know, a workout class that you love or it's um, a Fab four smoothie or it's like adding, like, you know, deciding to make three meals for the week, not like your entire week of food, but you know, a couple to pepper in to help you stay uh, motivated. Great. Like that's the way to get it done.
2: Working with your clients or if, if there are studies out there in the process of attaining these goals, the emotional toll that it can take, can you kind of speak to that? And then, you know, little ways that you've Been able to kind of flip that for your clients? Because I just think it's such a huge piece. You mentioned before that emotional weight.
0: Yeah. So I had a client who lost a best friend and was dealing with almost like she, it's almost like it happened overnight. She gained like 40 pounds overnight Mm -hmm. and it, you know, slowly creeped up to 50. And then when she came to see me, we had a lot of work to do, you know? her food was really dialed in. She was taking really good care of herself, but she was in a high state of stress and grievance. And um, I introduced her to a body worker, and I was like, "I think we need to work on someone needs to work on your body." And I also introduced her to Ashley Niece, who's my breathwork coach. I love Ashley. Not all of these tools work for everyone. It's about finding your tool. You know, there is like breathwork, meditation, body work, Reiki, like. Pick whatever works for you, but you got to try it all and you got to try multiple practitioners. It's sort of like finding the workout classes that you love. It took me like three different studios to fall in love with yoga. Mm -hmm. And then I fell in love with it. And then it was still really hard for me to go to other studios because I really connected to the teacher and the music and just the energy and chi of that studio but I would say just because you've tried something once doesn't mean it's not going to work for you because it's almost like finding your partner.
2: Yeah.
0: Once you fall in, but once you find your partner and fall in love with like that type of activity or wellness technique, I think you would be more open to other types of practitioners uh, because you can kind of dip into that state a little bit easier. I'm not the practitioner who's go- I'm not the nutritionist who's going to be able to sit there and do any energy work or therapy work with my clients but I definitely think there are times when it is so important and I even have you know I have certain doctors that I refer to that are now even referring out to microdosing psychedelics and like really interesting things that I don't quite understand yet um but I am open to whatever my client is willing to try, um, not necessarily like the drug piece, but but to each their own really. Like I, I I think it's about finding out how to move through whatever you're storing in your body. For me personally, any pain and trauma that I've had, I know I store in my body because that's when I feel it the most. Mm-hmm. I would look at like my first relationship, not a great guy, cheated on me a lot. And yoga literally was my therapist. I would I would move through a class be in Shavasana, tears would be streaming down my face. But without that, I think I would have stored that energy in my body. And the same goes with Sebastian's birth. It's something that rears its ugly head when I move my body. Like when I'm on my mat, I feel it, I think about it. And that's because it's such a, birth is such a primal thing. And for the first six months, I really just had a hard time like I'd go and I just wanted to leave I wanted to like I felt like I was gonna throw up like it was something that I had to work on but and I went to therapy too and i looking back, I definitely got more out of my yoga mat than I did out of therapy, but that's just how I am, and I think that's how I store things is I'm like generally like everything's great and we're having you know it's fun, and I'm like so blessed and I'm just so thankful that he's okay and we're okay. And I'm going to move through it. But like, I end up stuffing it. And so when I go to my mat and I move through it, I can cry. I can think about it. I can reflect. I can rewrite that story in my brain and keep my resilience and be willing and open to like have three more babies because come on they're delicious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I so know you guys yours. want a soccer team, baby. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah, before you were preg, you were like, "We want a soccer team."
0: I know
2: you <laughs> want a
1: soccer team. I know.
0: So the, the... figure out how to afford it, but <laughs> literally. literally, won't have kids till I'm forty.
1: So the process of birth and then you know your experience with like working through that situation and and you know trauma in a sense and with your therapist and yoga. What has that taught you? And like, what, how are you feeling about everything now?
0: No, well, I've always called my, you know, I've always been like a quote unquote holistic nutritionist, looking at the whole body. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that I always felt comfortable going there with clients. Like, where's your pain? What have you been through? What about the trauma?
1: To be You're... honest, it fe- I can tell the difference. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, I actually see it Completely. happening for you and it's actually really profound. Thanks. I feel it and see it and it's really profound.
0: Well, I, I love science and nutrition, and I love the I love the body. I love the blood tests and like telling people what to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm really way more empathetic. I'm way more understanding. I'm I just I don't think when people just didn't have pain and drama, you know. I can go back and be like, Oh, I had a really bad breakup. But like, what girl doesn't have a really bad breakup? Like I had the most traumatic birth and it still probably wasn't the most traumatic birth that anyone's ever had. But like my son was ripped from my chest and put in an ambulance and driven across town. And I was forced to spend the night in the hospital without my son Mm -hmm. and have a nurse teach me how to hand express from my boobs so that my milk would come in and told me to my face, there's a chance that this won't happen for you because your son's not here and all i could think about was this is the only thing i can do for him at this point where i am right now like there blood cracking skin like it was just anything i could do for that small for my small child and the diagnoses we were being told in the first 48 hours were a, a wheelchair for the rest of his life cerebral palsy severe brain damage and all i could think to myself was like i did this this is my fault I wanted a vaginal birth. I wanted a birth without an epidural. But there are a million women a year who have a birth without an epidural and a bath at their house. And it's amazing. Like I was at the hospital. I just had a hard time progressing and transitioned from seven centimeters. I ended up getting an epidural. No problem. I pivoted, but I pushed for, you know, four hours. And he had a really hard time with that. Ended up being a brain bleed and not oxygen deprivation. But that's still really scary. So of course, as a mom, I can sit there and be like, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Like I made the best decisions I could at the time. I pivoted when I needed to. Things happen to people, you know? And the most most important person, little person in my life is Sebastian. And the whole experience has just made me realize even more that we don't have control. We have control. We can only control the way we react. And it has made me react to all of life differently.
2: We're not mothers, but I cannot imagine that moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I can't really, I mean, I can see it. I can't
0: really, I can't really explain it. There's been a lot of moms whose children have had a hard time coming out and like, Doctors and nurses are worried and they're sent to the NICU. Um, But yeah, not even if he was like sent to the NICU at St. John's and they were like, okay, everything's fine. Like we're going to bring him back to your room now. And they were like, yeah, putting tubes in him and sedating him and putting in an ambulance to take him across town. And Chris was getting in the back of that ambulance to go. And I was just like,
1: I'm here. And you're to stay. Yeah. So it's,
0: it's I like, didn't why I, is that I guess? Because uh one, I hadn't had gotten the epidural, oh. so you can't move for, you know, ninety minutes, two hours. And then they want to make sure you don't hemorrhage. Because if I started hemorrhaging, you know, that's really dangerous. So, you know, I'm sure if I'm sure there are people out there who've been like, I'm signing myself out immediately, that's really dangerous, you know. And yes. um and for me, I signed myself out the earliest that I have myself and my doctor felt comfortable with which was 24 hours most of the time you stay for two nights um but I just needed to I needed to see him like mm-hmm. I saw the top of his head I didn't know if he was a boy or a girl I had to look at Chris and be like is it a boy or a girl and he was like white as a sheet and about to pass out and was just like is he okay is he okay you know and like that's how I found out it was a boy It's like it's a boy but like is he okay and um you know and then I got Pictures, because I was like, you need to send me pictures. Like, I saw his face through glass in a box, and um, before he was transferred. But it was, yeah, probably like the worst moment, of, worst and best moment of my entire life. Because it's amazing. Like, I remember when my water was broke. Like, they they broke my water, quote unquote, accidentally. I think it was on purpose to progress it because I was stuck at like seven and or eight, seven, eight. You're like, are you seven? Are you eight? Are you seven? Are you What's eight? ideal? Um, Well, you want to get to 10 and transition is happening Like where it gets really strong and it hurts a lot more around seven or eight and then it can go really fast or people can get stuck or they can have a hard time with that pain because they're kind of running from it. And um, I had labored all day without an epidural in my house from 8.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m., and put an eye mask on, put headphones on, was transferred, or Chris put me in the car and our doula was there and we're like going to the hospital. And they had checked me in. So I like didn't want to get out of like the state I was in. I wanted to like kind of stay in my body and then pulled up the eye mask in the room and like, okay, we're going to check you, you know, and see where you're at. Seven centimeters dilated, bulging bag. They turn on the baby warmer. They're like, you're having this baby tonight. I start bawling. Um and I thought it was maybe going to be like ninety minutes or two hours before I was like pushing, but at like the you know I got there at eight thirty at like twelve thirty or one in the morning, I got that epidural because I was like couldn't i was running from the pain in my body, I was like shaking and vomiting nauseous like not good so um but I was never i don't i didn't not get the epidural because I thought it was bad for myself or the baby. I like to clarify that like i Like modern medicine, I think it's phenomenal. The minute I got the epidural, my complete body completely calmed. They wanted me to rest overnight and push in the morning. That was the plan, so that's what I did. It just he was very crooked inside of me, which I think was why he wasn't why I wasn't dilating too. Is like you want such direct contact and and the baby in the right position. When the baby's in a good position, they move faster on average. So. He was a little bit crooked and coming down and poor kid had major cone head, but but yeah, it was a it was a lot. It was heavy. Not it's I'm totally out of the norm though. If there's like pregnant people listening, I'm like, this is not gonna happen to you. Yeah. It happened to me, but um, but it's also important to think I thought it wasn't gonna happen to me. So if there are any, you know, fears that people have about the way that they're thinking about having their child or they're unsure, like. I was really thankful to be at the hospital the moment I was in the hospital because I don't know what would happen if I wasn't, if Bash wasn't in the hands of of doctors that could help him.
2: And what was really important as he healed, like for you to also heal? Um...
0: Yeah. I mean, I think um was crazy because he had, he went, uh, he underwent a protocol called HIE, which is or they, he was diagnosed with potential HIE, which is oxygen deprivation of the brain. And it's really an amazing technology where if you have oxygen deprivation of the brain, that's the first injury. The second injury is when the brain begins to swell within six hours you know, of that injury. So what they do now is the first injury happens, which is quote unquote oxygen deprivation. The second injury would be the swelling of the brain. But now they know they can cool a baby's body below 98.7 degrees. So they they cool it like below 97 degrees. Baby begins to, to shiver a little bit, but it prevents brain inflammation. So they don't have the secondary injury. So what could potentially be something that is totally manageable with a secondary injury could be life altering. And there are no side effects to this other than the side effect of not the mom not being able to hold the baby and breastfeed the baby right away looking at Sebastian's life and what he could, you know, like we wanted to give him every advantage he could ever have if he did have this. So it, they, you know, they cool the baby for 72 hours and then there's a rewarming process and they're looking for things during the rewarming process like seizure, like activity, all kinds of stuff like that. So it was purgatory. Like it was purgatory. The, The 72 hours, the rewarming period. And then finally, after they rewarm, Because you need to cool a baby very quickly. like That's why he was transferred away from me so quickly. That's why he was put in the ambulance and he went. It's like they needed to put the baby on that type of cooling pad or they need to put Bash on that type of cooling pad. Something to note, level four NICUs. So I went to St. John's. I had Bash at St. John's. It's a level two NICU. Their um, neonatal doctors, the NICU doctors are all CHLA doctors. But if they want high technology or if they want you know, advanced technology, they need to transfer babies out to a level four NICU, which they transfer babies to CHLA. I knew that, but I never thought I'd ever need that. In hindsight, I would have gone to a hospital. I wanted that community hospital feel. I was like, I didn't maybe feel like more like a birthing center, quiet, calm. Like I wanted that more than I wanted something like a Cedar Sinai. But in hindsight, knowing what I went through, I would have like definitely gone to a hospital that had a level four NICU because he would not have been transferred from me. I could have sat by his bed the minute after that happened. He could have been cooled in my room. There are so many other things to think about and consider when you're in something like that. But he was cooled for three days, rewarmed, and then they can give them the MRI because they they have to get them on the cooling pad so quickly. They can't look at the MRI and be like, oh yeah, he does have oxygen deprivation or he doesn't. It's sort of like, you make the call. Are we doing this or not? And I'm like, whatever we have to do to like protect his body, his brain, whatever. So he got his MRI on Saturday morning after he was born. It was, Chris couldn't even like talk. He couldn't even like hang out with our families in the NICU at CHLA. We were all together. I have like the best family. They rallied hard around me and Chris. And he was like looking out the window and just like really was, he was totally removed, you know. Um, and then the, one of the nurses came back out and they're like, okay, you can come back. He's back in the room and you can come back and hang out. And I remember them saying like, "You can take this pacifier and put it in his mouth." To this point, they have not let us touch him, lift him, because we we warm his body. So I put. I remember them taking the pacifier and saying like, "Okay, Kelly, you can also put your hand under his neck and like sort of like half hold him and like lay in the box on him." And I was like bawling like this is the best moment of my entire life. Like not even had skin to skin with my child really and. This is like happening. And then they let Chris put the pacifier in his mouth. And I remember them telling us, like, that's a really good sign if there's brain damage, because if the baby sucks immediately and they can suck, that means they can eat. That means they can survive on their own without a feeding tube. That means they can leave the hospital. And it was like Maggie from The Simpsons. Like we put they he put the pacifier in his mouth and it was just like literally Maggie from the Simpsons. And Chris put both hands up, like his favorite football team won, you know, scored a touchdown and he screamed like. And everyone was like in shock, but it was one of those moments where we we're like, okay, like a huge hurdle. And then an hour later we got the call and they had read our like our, our MRI report for Sebastian over the weekend and sent the results to the doctor who was our doctor on call, Dr. Taiwoo, who was in Cleveland, Ohio. And all of a sudden our room, like our phone rang, and he's like, Hey, it's tai Wu. And I'm in Cleveland, but I wanted to give you a call. And I'm like, why is he calling me right now? You know. And Chris is already feeling positive because he's like, they wouldn't have let the nurse, the nurse wouldn't have let you sort of hold him and me sort of give him the passy if there weren't like some positive things happening here. And he was just like, I just want to let you know that your son is going to be a totally not normal little child. And like, he is you know, there is a sign of like traumatic birth in his brain on his MRI, but that like any like blood from that little injury clears up within three weeks. It's sort of like getting a concussion and he's totally fine. And as long as he's like eating his weight, you can go home. And I was just like, what is happening? (laughs) So it, yeah, it was heavy. It was really, I didn't like announce his birth. Until I was just like in this place of purgatory, pumping every two to three hours
2: in his little
0: room and waiting for those results. So then after we got those results, it was just like, oh, he just needs to get off of his like feeding tube and onto my boob or my milk via breast or via um, bottle. And then they needed to like work up to what he was able to eat for his weight, which because he was such a freaking chunk, took us like six days um, so it was like it was a heavy, it was a heavy time in our life. It was two weeks, but people are people are there a lot longer and that second week, all Chris and I felt was guilt because so we were like in and out of the hospital, and these babies are sometimes there for months, years um and we were going to be leaving with a healthy child and so, yeah, it just the whole experience has changed who I am as a person, how I connect with other moms, other women, my empathy levels, my like yearning and wanting to give back. We're those annoying parents we said we'd never be, where we're like, oh my God, did you just see him like <laughs> walk his steps and like his <laughs> little tummy and like, you know, I just obviously love him so much and I just can't explain how, I can't explain a mother's love, You just really can't. We're really close. We've always been really close, but I think these type of situations can make you, I mean, there are just, the trials and tribulations of it, moving through that pain and trauma together, but really just like leaning on each other. We're just really, we we make a lot of time for Sebastian and our family because where I used to do a lot more running around and going to events and I'm obviously in a book tour, so I'm traveling a lot right now, but there's a lot more family priority than ever before and a lot more... Playtime. That's what a kid brings. Like, wake up in the morning, no one's looking at their phone. We all get coffee. We're sitting in Bash's room on the floor. He's like playing with his IKEA kitchen, making us smoothies and like eggs. And he doesn't say anything. I mean, he's got like a dozen words, but the kid's like mumbling like mad. You're like, I you have a lot to say. No one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> But it's the new Fab like, Four this, smoothie. Yeah, he's like, this is my new recipe. <laughs> Literally, that Melissa and Doug blender was his favorite toy for like four months, and it's absolutely because I use my blender like two to three times a day. Oh. I'm like, mm, blend something into my coffee, and blend some. Yeah, blend up my smoothie, <laughs> making a dressing, or like, yeah, it's just
1: like, oh my god, he's blending. That yeah, is
0: life. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, lo- he loves all adult things and like cooking, and I think it's just like anything that we do, he wants to do. Yes. So. He okay, loves to brush his teeth. I know that'll change. I mean... Oh, my God. We'll he loved a vacuum. Um, we got him the little like... It's like a broom and mop yeah. set. Yeah. I feel like my brother did that too. I
2: was like, wow, this is... Yeah. This isn't what kids <laughs> do. Our friends have a
0: little Dyson for their son. So cute. And he like... Bash played with it at his house the other day. But Bash, man, I mean, I'm telling you, we just... We shouldn't have nicknamed him that because we've been to the ER. Like after CHLA, okay, fine. But like we went to the ER in Maui. He just like chipped his front tooth on a water, on a stainless steel water bottle. He's like Harry from Dumb and Dumber. He he will be standing there and just like hit the ground. He's the clumsiest kid you've ever met. Like, I feel like I'm having a heart attack every day because he's not stable on his two feet. But it's like you can't not let him learn. He just he's
1: a maniac. It's funny. Oh my god. So what does that felt like going on tour? You have your book. So the baby. So I guess remind me again. Like what was Was the book written and in editing? And then the book came out in BASH, like where was that relationship between you doing the book?
0: Yeah. And- so I had turned in my book. I had turned in my book and it was accepted before BASH was born. And that was October of 2018. But then we went through this traumatic birth and I did not want to launch it in January of 2019. And they were looking at a March, just like extending it to March. And I just didn't want to travel that quickly. With everything we had gone through. This is an example of like deciding that it can wait. Like, there are things you need to push for because timing is perfect. But becoming a mom has shown me that I am in control of my schedule and when I decide to do things and when when everything doesn't need to happen immediately and it's still gonna work out. And we have a, it's a marathon, not a race, right? So then I decide, uh, decided with my editor that we would launch it in January or December 30th of 2018, which is basically like new, they wanted a new year, new you book because it's just a really powerful time for diet, lifestyle, wellness style books. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was fine with that. I didn't, it's like, I'll be done breastfeeding. I'm not, but you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like you know when you're bro- done, they just stop producing milk. No, it's you decide. You decide. People can breastfeed until your child's like five years old. Oh, Um, okay.
0: People, I I think for a lot of the moms and my mommy and me who were breastfeeding and found that it was important to them. And remember, there are a lot of people who can't breastfeed, who end up using formula, whose supply drops because they have to go back to work and they have to supplement. They're, you know, fed is better than breastfed, you know? And I think especially in LA, people have, there's a lot of pressure and it needs to be okay if that just doesn't work for you. But breastfeeding was something I really wanted based on because of the way we started. So it was really important for me to have this connection with Sebastian, the skin-to-skin connection, body-to-body connection because we didn't have it immediately. So I really wanted it. And I had a lactation consultant come over after we get home from CHLA. I, really was a little bit of a struggle in the beginning, which is funny because I always thought like, well, how's breastfeeding a struggle? I don't understand. You put a baby on a nipple, like it just happens. I mean, babies can be tongue-tied. They can have a hard time latching. You can, you know, like your milk might not come in. You might get clogged ducts. You might get engorged and like their little face can't get up against that like balloon, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many things, but once you get it, you get it and then it's easy. And so then it becomes easy. It's it's not fun, but it's way more fun than pumping. You know, and it can be a really sweet moment. So since I work from home or go see my clients, I could work around like his feeding schedule. and then, as I start eating real food at four or six months, and we did six months just because his microbiome and his eczema, like he had eczema and you know, children have leaky gut for the first few years of life. and so I wanted to make sure based on his whole start that we had. Just breast milk, and really, we're working on that bacterial layer before we introduce foods that might have—I don't know—anything from like a bad oil to like a pesticide. You know, I'm trying my best to control everything in his food, but I just wanted him to just have breast milk for six months. But then, when you start introducing real food, then you drop your feeds, Mm. and so you may feed—you know, I don't know—three or four times a day, and then you drop to two times a day. And then when they're like really eating, is eating like three meals a day and snacks and all kinds of stuff. The breastfeeding is really just a sweet, like tender moment. And you kind of get down to like first thing in the morning and at night. And then depending on what's the sweetest for the mom, they'll either drop the morning and keep the night or drop the night and keep the morning. Um, Whatever is like best for your schedule, right? I have a friend who's an attorney and it's a lot easier for her to get up and feed her son in the morning and not feed him at night. I can't get home to bedtime all the time. And so for me, I'm down to morning and night and then I just I just kept night um, and I'm just like, this is something that it's important to me to always be there for dinner and bedtime. And uh, very rarely am I missing those. And at this point now, it's like I can miss those and not become engorged and not uncomfortable. I can not pump. I'm not pumping anymore, which is also really nice. when you when you're constantly feeding, and you miss feeding your child, you really need to pump to feel comfortable. And that's kind of the pain in the ass. So the um, so now it's like, I was gone in New York, which is crazy. I was gone in New York for four nights. I came home and he like, hey, first of all, what we didn't plan for this, but Chris is like, <laughs> boobies?
2: <laughs> and so, now
0: he actually just looks at me and says, boobies.
2: No! <laughs> See, when you, oh, so when mom is when gone. gone, dad teaches some yeah. oh, words. No. My dad used to teach us curse words when my mom was gone. Are you
1: serious? That is yeah. so not what I would think.
2: Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sure. words? Um, words? Shit. Shit. Like, one. we have a recording of my brother. We're like, don't say shit. And he's like, don't say shit. And he's like, shit. Like, it's very, like, little kid. It's so funny. I don't know. I think he said he was teaching us so that we didn't say it. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: I was like, that. Okay. Well,
0: it's That's just, cute. It is what it Hobbies. is. And I'll
2: eventually drop the
0: night. And I thought... I just went to Dallas. It was just on another spot on the tour and came back. And I was like, oh, I just won't feed him when I get back. And I I just cave every time. I'm like, well, what's the, what's the harm? Totally. As long as I'm not uncomfortable when I'm gone and he... He's eating enough when I'm not there. Like my milk right now is like nothing. Like it's not his it's not a substantial part of his diet. It's really just probably a little increased immunity during this flu season and a cozy, comfy little like sleep prep. Totally. (laughs)
1: Little snack. Yeah. I want to talk about the book too. Okay. So the four types. I want to talk about them. Yeah. And then um just like I think too within the book, what was expressed for me was more of the holistic part. I felt like I was like, oh, this is like three hundred and sixty with like the mindfulness techniques and um, the recipes and like stress reduction um, things. So I would love to talk about you know the four types, um, so our girls can kind of think about you know when they're getting the book, who are they and which one applies to them at that moment.
0: Yeah, um, it's important for me to note that like I did I did create four Fab Four archetypes, but the plan. The reason for that was because they were coming at me. My editors were like, "Let's do a cookbook next," and I'm like, "No, let's let's give more information than that." And here's what I'm seeing in my practice: I'm seeing a lot of girls on the go, flying, traveling, taking care of just themselves in a crazy job. They need less meals that are less than thirty minutes. They need to know how to buy a protein bar. What's going to get them the biggest bang for their buck? If um you know they want to take care of themselves, so that's the girl on the go archetype. Uh, then I have the plant-based devotee and that was answering the questions I received after the first book, Body Love, of I'm plant-based, I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian. What sources of protein am I using? What happens if I'm hungry between meals? Because they tend to have less satiety between meals and you know, maybe because of a product of less protein and being the protein is the most satisfying macronutrient that can be the case. But I have a way to like support those people. It's 15 to 20% of my practice here in LA. And um, and I'm just looking to explain to them where they can really be efficient in, in getting the most bioavailable protein that they can and avoiding things that might seem to make it really easy like these fake processed meats, but that aren't really that healthful. Then I have... Uh, The red carpet ready plan. And, you know, that kind of goes back to living in an apartment, but wanting a house and knowing that that's okay. And in a non restrictive way, I'm giving people tools like circadian synced intermittent fasting, which is basically I love intermittent fasting, but never am I not going to, never am I going to force myself not to eat till two in the afternoon. Like I'm going to eat when I feel hungry and then I'm going to finish dinner early like my grandma. And like, let's sync it with your circadian rhythm because that on top of it just being way easier for you and your body, I get twice the results every time. Like finish dinner earlier than waiting for waiting to eat your first meal and you will get better results. So somewhere between like eating 10 to four or nine to five, like a six to eight hour window. But we see in, in blood tests that even a 10 hour window has awesome results. So it doesn't have to be so drastic. So lots of tips and tools in there for how to pull weight if that's your goal. And um, then domestic goddess is like sort of my goals, right? Yeah. It's like, if you Who want to make she? your own coconut yogurt, <laughs> Who is she? I, I do definitely do not know her. I have a few hours every Sunday <laughs> where I can like claim to be her, but that's about it. Everything else is very quick and uh, a lot of the same, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you're buying high quality stuff. It's like, or, hey babe, guess what's your dinner?
2: tacos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, he's happy with that.
2: It's better than me making him like salmon and veggies. I'm sure like, he's happy Where's the with second that? dinner? Literally. literally. <laughs> so just to touch on intermittent fasting, because it is a topic that we, we, not us talk about, but we get a lot of questions like, do you do this? Is this right? But whatever. Mm-hmm. And we don't know because we're not experts. But who is this for? Like who is intermittent fasting for? And is there ever a time where it gets a little wonky and could actually be a detriment to your health?
0: Yeah, no. um, Intermittent fasting is phenomenal and for everyone. I think the hours in which you're fasting really, really vary depending on the person and how often you're doing it depends on the person. I do not like people with an eating disorder history to use tools like this Mm -hmm. because it becomes a control thing. I have no problem with them, you know, using a nine to five window a nine to six window circadian synced intermittent fasting. They're eating during the daylight hours. they're having three meals. They're just not eating seven to seven like that's no big deal. I don't know that it would be a detriment, but it's not a ticket to eat whatever you want. You don't fast and then go into a high glycemic meal. Research shows us that fasting and going and eating a high glycemic, high sugar type of a meal creates higher spike in blood sugar and more inflammation than if you would have just had like eggs and avocado for breakfast, a a nice lunch, and then decided to like blow it out with a pizza.
1: And you said a few times uh, circadian synced. I guess I've actually never heard of... Is that a type of intermittent fasting? Yeah, I made it up.
0: Sick. Yeah, <laughs> um, trademark it now. <laughs> I know. I, I I talked about it. Well, I was pitching to GMA, and I'm like, look, like I do intermittent fasting with my clients all the time. I just sync it to their circadian rhythm. Like, you here's the deal: when we look at fa- when we look at eating food, that is the way eating our first meal has an effect on our circadian rhythm. Light has an effect on our circadian rhythm. Sleep, food. So when you're waiting to eat you are effectively having an effect on your circadian rhythm and what i want people to know is your body is so capable of using food for fuel during the daylight hours and we become insulin resistant at night but if we're eating the majority of our food at night then that isn't productive for getting the body composition results that you're looking for so instead if we can just take that same amount of food and pull it back to the normal hours the daylight hours and sync it to our circadian rhythm Don't eat when it's dark out. You want to slide out. Boom, we hit result. We get results without you feeling like,
1: "Oh, I'm waiting to eat." Yeah, one hundred percent.
2: And that idea of you know in the book of letting go of perfectionism, like I just think it's it's a perfect way to end a book like this because I think people go into reading information like this, hoping to find like, okay, this is how I'm going to live my life every single day. day. I'm like, here's the structure. And then you're like, also, by the way, like, please let go of this need to be perfect. Like good is better than perfect. And I just love that. So can you just speak more to that?
0: Yeah. I really pushed for that chapter. They were like, well, if you're not going to give us 21 days of plans for this. And I was like, that's the whole point. This is for my perfectionist who literally would follow it 21 days Day by day, hour by hour. And let's get to the meat of it here. Like, you're never gonna be able to do that unless you have a support team that's like, oh, here's the meal that like Kelly has asked you to prepare for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, it just takes a lot of work. And it's, if they fail, they're gonna feel worse about themselves. And I think trying to be perfect really gets in the way. It's like setting these really big goals that then feel overwhelming and you procrastinate. It's the same with perfectionism. It's like you're setting these like really strict standards for yourself. And then if you don't hit it, you decide to binge and it backfires. So for me, it's like, let's build habits. Let's build this healthy house brick by brick. And then it's easy. It doesn't feel overwhelming. And so with a with the perfectionistic thoughts, it's it's definitely not loving the apartment you're living in before you get the house. And what a waste because there are so many more things we should be doing with our time and how we should be giving back and connecting and i just worry about i just worry about the person inside like i i really worry for those clients who it is one thing to be type a and have and have goals and be an achiever i definitely want that for people but if i think that you you that you're being too much of a perfectionist and it's getting in the way of our goals because if it wasn't perfect, then you need to start over. You can't spend your whole life starting over. You just have to integrate and you have to say like, this is how today went. Also, when you're not so connected to that outcome, you can, you can really pivot and change and keep moving. It's almost like if you're bowling and i use this in another another analogy is like bowling without the bumpers you're like i'm i'm a really great bowler i'm going to do it perfectly straight down the middle to strike it out i'd rather someone have some bumpers and even if it's not perfect and but every single time you're knocking pins down and you're never getting a gutter ball that's better overall than trying to be perfect mm-hmm. And that's the same with dieting. Diet is like asking you, like a strict diet is asking you to be perfect with your food. But I'm going to tell you time and time and time again, the women who get consistent with eating healthy, they don't ever have to start over. They feel less bad about themselves and they have high, more confidence. They think less about food and they get better results in the long run.
1: Would you say that's a common theme of the women that you work with that are successful?
0: I work with a lot of successful women, and I have a lot of different personalities. But I will say, the ones that are enjoying their life the most in these very high power positions definitely can make make more decisions fall on their face and get back up before some of these perfectionists even take a step off the curb.
1: Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> about that. I'm not a mess, I know, but I just have never been a perfectionist. Look no. at my
2: outfit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing, is like you're a doer. I think you're you, a perfectionist in some areas of your life. Yeah. For sure.
1: It's
0: okay to connect and have things that you really want to be good at or you really want to represent yourself in a specific way, and that's really important to you. But if you're you're a doer, you've mm-hmm. always been a doer. Look at it. Like you have your blog, you started this podcast, like where other people are sitting here listening being like oh my god i wish i could start a podcast like almost 30 and like you just did it you did it even though you were scared you never let it the fact that like what if it what if it's not perfect mm-hmm. you knew mm-hmm. that you would grow and learn and we were just talking before this like some of my first podcasts i'm like damn i suck I at this you know but it true, d- but... it doesn't stop you from it doesn't stop me yeah. like oh, it's scary. Oh, it's real scary. But like, it's out there and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep learning and I'm not going to not do
2: something because it's not perfect. And I think there's that element of like, just attention to detail too, that like some people might get mixed up with perfection. Because I think like, perfection means that there's kind of fear there. And I think like with what we do and what I would describe you as, is kind of like, you have moments of wanting perfection, but like without fear. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's just sure. kind of a knowing, you know? So I, I do think there's definitely a difference, and that no fear attitude just like takes you so much further. Totally. Yeah.
1: That mentality, it's like, so I'm so far from that because I feel like all our friends and the people we surround ourselves with are very fearless you know, in a lot of ways. It's like so inspiring, like living in LA and just the community that we're surrounded by, you know, if you think about the people at your book launch, yeah. so many of those women are 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 not fearless, but they just move through it and they really just do. And I haven't been around and in that environment for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time we were we were out somewhere and, and we were with an old friend, someone that we used to work with, and we had an experience where it felt like, oh, wow, I'm, this person is, is fearful and they're a perfectionist. And and I was so removed from that. It was like very humbling. I was like, oh, I haven't had this mentality for so long. I have so much compassion for it. But also, I'm very impatient to it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like mm-hmm. so far from that. I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was hard for me to connect to it. Yeah. Yeah. Of
0: course. Of course. And it's because you've because you've been a doer for so long and getting that, getting it done and, and just putting stuff out there, then you see how easy it is actually just to start putting it. Out there, Mm -hmm. I know it's really it's really hard too. I I I feel like a lot of times people the fear is what holds them back. I mean, if I thought I had to know everything about health and nutrition before I started to see my first client, which is so many young girls when they come to me and they want to be a health coach or a nutritionist and they want me to mentor them, and I'm like mentor and um you know half a dozen girls a year like one on one, just like hey, what are you doing? Like how are you doing it? half the time it's like their website is up they like you know cook food for their family they're coming up with recipes but the actual that vulnerability to be like hey i can help you yes. i can help you and here's what i charge and let me start and let's do it is too scary because they don't trust themselves it's like how are you going to get better unless you get out there and start working with people how are you going to get better at podcasting unless you just start podcasting totally
1: that's like a very female th- Thing I, I guess like I don't always like to generalize, but from my experience of what I've seen, is that the women will have the website done, the Instagram done, the branding and logo done, everything done, and then be afraid to share and and ask someone for the business. But it's like the men come and they're like, "Yeah, I want your business," and then they're like, "All right, let's figure this out." Yeah, what am I gonna do? You yeah. know, kind of like working backwards in that way. And you know, there is something to be said for both. Both can be successful, but there is something to like really doing it first. But you know, I I have to I I have to take it back and actually be more compassionate to that because I have been in that situation. But I think the thing that that you speak to probably to the people that you mentor and the people that we interact with is that the huge differentiator is that it takes time. Yeah, it's like that's really the thing that I've noticed is like the impatience to really put in the work for the certain period of time. Yeah, is like that's really the differentiator. It's like get everything set, like do the work, be vulnerable and show up, but it's not going to happen overnight.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think there's there's
2: a a disconnection too between like, okay, so do you want this for the long-term? Like the long, are are you in it for the long game or do you really need, and I think our society, like, especially with social media, it's that instant gratification and validation. Yeah. So it's like, say it's a podcast and it's like starting a podcast. Is this for the long-term or do you just kind of want that dopamine hit of like, I'm out there, I'm putting something out there. But when you realize like, it's a lot of work. It's so yeah. much work. Yeah. It becomes like, oh, you know? Yes. Yeah. So it's just like exactly a, a, being really clear and really honest with yourself when you start these things, like being willing to mess up, but then also being really clear about like, is this a long term thing that I want to invest time, energy, and even money into?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to be timeless, you have to think about the long game. It has to be the yes. long game. You have to know it's the long game. I, I think about like all the brands I said no to for so many years. I was like, no, yeah. like, yes, I want your $10,000. That would be amazing. That would be the best thing ever. Like, I would pay rent for three months in my apartment. That's crazy to think about, but like, it doesn't, the brand does not align with who I am in the long run because of X, Y, and Z. And so I'm going to say no and it's going to freaking hurt because I'm going to have to see hundreds of clients to make up that money. But like, I'm here for the long game. Now I get to invest in companies because I I didn't sell out. That's a long game play, and that's how it's got to be too. Is people are always, you know, they might ask, "Oh, like, you know, I want to work with you, or how do I, how do I get to like have a business like yours or whatever?" I'm like, you need to remember that I started this business. I started going back to school in 2011. Started this business in 2012. Like, I'm old. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been doing this every day, every week
1: for eight years. There's something about it years too. Like there's a lot That's of women. It's your
0: high school and your college education. Yeah.
1: Honestly. Yeah. There's a lot of women that I admire that have been around for almost like seven, eight years. And that seems like the fucking, uh, that are like- Sweet spot. Uh, sweet yeah. spot on the level point. of like, of like no, what's up-ness. Keep going up. Yeah. But
2: it's just like that confidence too. Yes. Yeah. You know.
0: <sighs> okay. You put the work in and then you're just like, no, I, I've seen, I've been here. I've seen things. I know, you know? And if if anyone can just, even when you're starting out just know that every little bit of effort that you put in the beginning the the schedule you build for yourself the hustle the share the connect like i went to every networking event you literally like, do
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're that is that is like something i totally admire for you you've shown up to every single thing we've ever asked you to do oh. you're at everyone's things like it's crazy
0: I'm gonna have some more babies and then you know, time. To, I'm gonna Facetime myself. <laughs> in, but.
2: And now Kelly Levesque on the I projector, know. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Hey guys, I'm hey. like, we gotta get you in for some things before other babies come. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm really excited for people to get Body Love every day. I think it's just a perfect way to start the year, new decade. Like, just really, and it's not even a reset. It's just like. I don't know. Just want to it's, be motivation. It's full 360 support, and it is inclusive and relatable. And I'm just so be proud of it. you. Thanks, Mama. I love it.
0: Where else can people connect with you, babe? At Be Well by Kelly, and then we'll have you ladies on the Be Well by Kelly podcast. So good. Um, yeah, my website, All Be Well by Kelly, everywhere.
1: Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we love you. Thank here. you so much for coming. This is so fucking fun. Yeah. Thanks for having You're me. The best. I all right, guys. You. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.
2: Thank you so much, Kelly. Her new book, Body, Love, Every Day, is out now. And her first book, Body, Love. Iconic. Top seller.
0: Iconic. <laughs> Iconic.
1: Um, we also have a few episodes with Kelly Levesque. So you can search Kelly Levesque Almost 30 on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to our previous episodes with our lovely sweet angel.
2: Yes. And you can go to kellylevesque.com for more information. Uh, okay. Quick review from Julie. Such a sweetheart who took the time to write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. We truly, truly appreciate these reviews. It helps us do what we do. and just spread the word. Okay, here we go. I'm a better friend and a more conscious human being because of everything I've learned from Almost 30, as well as from all of the ma- amazing men and women you've had on the podcast. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do to bring this community to all of us. I'm so incredibly grateful. Thank you, Julie.
1: Thank you, Julie
2: so kind. Appreciate you. It means so much.
1: Thank you guys for being a part of our community, for supporting us, for listening every week, for sharing with your friends and for giving people the information that they need that is provided from the show. So we appreciate it. We will see you at the retreat and we will see you with some other exciting things we are going to be launching later this year.
2: Yeah. And tune in on Thursdays for a solo episode with either just Krista, just me or the both of us. We get to catch up with you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. See you soon.